It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study for thursday february 8th we're glad you're a part of it tonight and we hope you'll stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only program brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We are glad that you're a part of the program tonight, and we want you to participate. This is a listener participation program in which we welcome your questions or comments. The number to call is 931-381-4567, or you can email questions at collegeview.com. I'm Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on Thursday night for our regular virtual Bible study, and we appreciate all who are listening tonight. Glad you've joined us and hope you'll join in our discussion. That's right. We're looking forward to the discussion tonight. Dad, we want to talk a little bit more in depth about something we talked about on the program last week. We had an atheist, Josh, join us on the virtual Bible study last week. He obviously denies the existence of God. We want to talk tonight about why we believe there is a God, some evidences for the existence of God. Look forward to that discussion tonight and uh, be interested in hearing our listeners' comments on that. I think it's important for us to spend some time talking about the positive proofs of God's existence. Uh, Josh and other atheists contend that you can't prove that there is a God. We believe that you can, and so our purpose of our study tonight is a follow-up to last week's discussion in which uh, Josh sort of stated his case is that we want to state our case and explain why we believe in God and why we believe that there is good evidence that God exists. And Dad, let's throw it open to our listeners and let's let them sort of drive a little bit. Why don't you call in now or give us an email and let us know why you believe there is a God. What are some proofs you have for the existence of God? Let us know your thoughts by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. Dad, you know, this ought to be something fairly easy for us to talk about. If we have faith in God, we should know why we believe that God exists, and so look forward to hearing our listeners' thoughts on that. Well, my guess would be that the vast majority of people listening tonight are believers in God, and as you said, Jacob, if you're going to believe, then you ought to have a reason why, and you ought to be able to explain why, so it's a worthwhile discussion. Share those thoughts with us at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. There may be some who are, are persuaded, as Josh was last week, that there is not a God, and you're certainly welcome to, to call in or email as well. We'd be glad to take your uh, comments and deal with them on the program. We're open to that. You don't have to agree with us to participate, so we'd be glad to hear from anybody tonight. Again, the number is 931-381-4567. The email address is questions at collegeview.com. We're going to start things off on the phone by going out to Iowa and welcoming Ben to the virtual Iowa study. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. Thanks for calling. Fantastic. Well, hey, uh, I'm, my thoughts uh, have to do with the... Uh, Surely, Felper Roper situation, and not the atheist. I'm uh, maybe this is the wrong time for me to uh, bring this subject up. Go ahead, Ben. We 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 weren't able to get to you last week. You wanted to to had some things to say about that last week. We want to give you a chance to to state your mind here. We uh, for those who are listening, we had Shirley Phelps Roper of the 
Westboro Baptist Church on our program about three weeks ago. This is the group out in Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, that's been protesting and demonstrating at the funerals of soldiers killed in combat. Just uh, uh, They've been in the news. They take some pretty outrageous positions, and we interviewed her and talked about it, and that's what Ben has on his mind. Ben, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, what I want to talk about now, please, I guess I need to put out a disclaimer. Uh, I have absolutely no affiliation with with the uh, Westboro Baptist Church, and I am not a Calvinist by any means. But I think that my ideas of our God seem to be a little different than yours, so I guess I just wanted to bring it out. Go ahead. Uh, on January 18th, uh, Brother George called from up in Ohio, and bless his heart, I, I could tell by his voice that he's a man who loves God. I think he might have been directed a little bit wrong. He said, quote, she has to believe evil originates with God. Jacob then said, quote, that's what a Calvinist has to proclaim if they're going to be consistent. Jacob then said, his hatred of people is consistent with Calvinism. Well, I, I believe that God hates homosexuals. God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart when Moses was trying to get the people, his people out of Egypt. In, uh, in Romans chapter 9, verse 21, it says, it Hath not the potter the, the power over the clay? He makes one vessel for honor and one vessel for dishonor, and he makes vessels of wrath fit for destruction. I've been uh, taught a lot of my life, and I, I don't believe this way anymore, but I've been taught that we're supposed to love the, love the sinner and hate the sin. I'm not sure that that's the way our God has revealed himself. I believe that God did create evil, and I think he uses it. Ephesians uh, chapter 3 and verse 9 says, God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, when he says all things, I don't think he leaves anything out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 16, he says, all things were created by him were all things created. All things were created by him and for him. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says that thou hast created all things. In Revelation uh, chapter 10 and verse 6, it says that he created the things, he created things in heaven and the things that were therein. He created the earth and the things that were therein, and the sea and the things that were therein. Now, in 1 Samuel, Chapter 16. Ben, ben, let, ben, let's 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 deal with this just a little bit. I mean, you've got a lot of verses there, and we can't cover them all. If you, you we're going kind of rapid fire through a bunch of verses, but let's let's talk about this for a minute. Um, you know, I understand and fully accept the fact that God created all things. In fact, the last verse of Genesis chapter one says that God, after He had created everything, looked and saw that everything was very good. Uh, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The things that God made were very good. God didn't make horrible, evil, hateful things. God made everything that was very good. Now, he made his creation with the capacity to make choices. As human beings, as his creation, we have the capacity to choose to obey or not to obey. That's the way God made us, and, and it's a very good thing. It's a blessing to be able to choose 
But the fact that he created us with the ability to choose means that we have the capacity to choose wrong and to do evil. But that doesn't mean that that's from God or that God created it or that he predestined us to do that. He simply made us beings of free moral choice. If, if you need to give me just a few seconds for a few more verses to prove what I'm trying to tell you here. Okay. In First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. In Nehemiah, it said, Did not our, father, our fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us? And in Ezekiel chapter 10, he says, And they shall know that I am the Lord, and that I have not said in vain that I would do this evil unto them. Now, not only did God create evil and use evil, but God can repent of evil. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, And God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said ben, the way he would the way, do unto them. Yeah, you got a lot of verses that you can say that, Ben, but the, the, the word no, no, evil I'm there... Not, I'm not saying that. No, no, listen, let, let me explain what I mean. When it talks about God is going to send evil... That word is used in that context to mean that God is going to send hard consequences to those who have violated his will. It doesn't mean he's going to send evil in the sense he's going to send pornography or he's going to send adultery or he's going to send... No, 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 I agree. When it says he's going to to recompense them evil for their evil, it just means that he's going to bring a hard consequence on them for the choices that they've made. But that's not the same as saying that God created things like murder or, or racism or hatred or... Adultery? No, it's that you're 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 connecting two things there that are not that are not the same. Right. If we take if we take Jonah chapter three verse ten there and say that God repented of the evil uh, that He had said in His heart, uh, said that He would do unto them, then that means God had sin in His heart and He had to repent of that. But then that would contradict other clear passages that tell us that there's no sin in God. First John chapter one verse five. No, I'm not saying there's any sin in God, but if there's any doubt at all who created evil, we can read Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7. It says, I form the light, I create the darkness, I make peace, I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, we talk about that we're not supposed to hate or, or feel something like that, but in, in, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, it says, These six things Doth the Lord hate? Yea, seven are an abomination. If you look up that word abomination, that's talking about morally disgusting. So it's an abomination to God. It says, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. I think verse 17 would take care of most of the homosexuals that we know. But anyway, verse 18, it says, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, in verse 19, it says, A false witness that spreadeth lies, and he that soweth discord among his brethren. Now, God hates those kind of people. If we try to say that our God doesn't hate, I think we've, I think we've left out part of what 
God's word tells us. Well, I certainly accept those verses, Ben, and I know that God hates those who do those, hates the doing of those kind of things, and, and I suppose it's fair to say, and those verses would indicate that he, that he hates them who are engaged in doing such things, but the, the, the point that doesn't follow is that therefore he has doomed them to hell without chance for repentance or salvation. Absolutely. Nobody ever said that there was no chance for salvation. Go back to Jonah. God, when when they repented of the evil, then God, or excuse me, repented of their ways, then God repented of the evil that He was going to send upon them. And again, I, and I would say that the evil there the is not the homosexual has every opportunity in the world to repent of his sin, and God will absolutely accept that. But I think God sends evil upon the homosexuals that don't repent. Well, they I have I, to suffer with that. I do too. I, I mean, I think that's. I, I, and when you're saying that, Ben, all you're saying is that God is going to allow sinners to suffer the consequence of their sin. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree yes. with that wholeheartedly. God, but but I think all of this. Uh, I think we probably have a difference here. But my understanding is that. God has created us as beings of free choice. Uh, even back to your references about uh, Pharaoh, uh, a number of references in the early chapters of Exodus to Pharaoh's heart being hardened. The majority of times it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so God used consequences. God put choices before Pharaoh. Pharaoh made the wrong choice again and again and again, and his heart grew hardened. Uh, he many times the text. I mean, I would challenge you to go back there and read those early chapters of Exodus again. And I think in the vast majority of times you'll see that it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. It does say that Pharaoh, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did that by putting choices before him. And as Pharaoh made the wrong choices, his heart grew hard in that situation. But uh, I, I do not think that that is an exception to the biblical rule of men being free moral agents. Hey, uh, Ben, we're up against a break, but let me ask you to do, a, do me a favor. I was trying to take down some of the verses that you read off, and I missed a, a lot of them. Can you send those to us an email and we can look them over and uh, maybe get back with you on some of them? Absolutely, I'd be more than happy. Thank Great. you, thank you for listening, Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Thanks for calling thank in you for tonight, time, gentlemen. I just love your show. Thanks thank you. a lot. All right, the number to call is nine three one three eight one four five six seven or questions at collegeview dot com. When we get back, we're going to get on the discussion of God and why we believe God exists. Some proofs for the existence of God. We want to hear from you. The number to call is nine three one three eight one four five six seven or questions at collegeview dot com. Let us know right now why you believe there is a God. What are some evidences for the existence of God? Let us know. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition 
of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we hope you'll stay tuned. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you tonight on the program. We're going to go up to Bowling Green, Ohio, and welcome George. Hello, George. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening. Uh, I'd like to uh, answer. I guess uh, the gentleman that called was referring to me when I said that God is not the originator of or the creator of, of the evil. And uh, I think if you look at Numbers, the 23rd chapter, starting with the 19th verse, it says God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and will he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and will he not make it good? I think, brethren, so many times, men, and I've run across uh, 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 people who have uh, tried to associate the character of God with the character of themselves. Uh, God is not the same as us. I don't know why we, get, we sometimes associate that. Uh, God is a spirit. And uh, to say that uh, he incorporates sometimes the same uh, same characteristics that we do of good and evil would be wrong. It, here we see in that book, in the verse, that he is not a ma- man, um, uh, and that he should that he uh, that he should repent. God may uh, God is not one who has to repent and change because of his of evil. Uh, God can change uh, he, what he wants to do as he's done at times but his uh, 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 for example uh, uh, the Old Testament law versus the New Testament law but God is not the, the uh, evil did not originate with God and then when we get to Proverbs here about the, uh, abominations the word abomination that calls about uh, what it defines is a high degree of detestation, the highest that one could have toward uh, those things which is said that God uh, hated. He hated them with a high degree, but that doesn't make God uh, uh, the originator of, of, of evil. I don't understand the thinking there. God is above. Uh, we got to understand the characters, characteristics, and the attributes of God more thoroughly. That we be very careful that we do not uh, attribute to God the same characteristics as you and I have as mortal beings. And I'm awful afraid that when we're going to find out, I mean, as we go to test ourselves on why we believe in God. We can find all kinds of weaknesses within ourselves that we attribute to God, and, and, and we've got to be very careful. God is not the same. We would agree with that, George. You know, um, 
if we do say that that evil comes from God, we really can get in a bind as we try and interpret the other verses that uh, talk about God's nature and the fact that uh, he's light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. Amen. Well, that's about all I had to say tonight. I just... Well, Georgia, we appreciate you calling in. You know, I think based upon Ben's call and maybe some misconceptions that exist on the on the very nature of God, probably that needs to be a future study that we do on the virtual Bible study, is to talk more about the very nature and character characteristics of God and well, and deal more thoroughly with this question: Is did God originate evil? I, I agree with you. I do not believe that he did. Ben in Iowa thinks, of course, that he did. And, and I think that would be a worthwhile study, so we'll probably try to plan that in the future. Just one other thing, uh, Brother Jacob, is the fact that uh, I have run across this and have debated this. Uh, I have run across where a man would say that God, when you read what Paul said, that God cannot lie, uh, I've run across men who say, well, he could if he wanted to. Now, that's attributing to God the same characteristics, again, of ourselves. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, uh, recently I heard someone talking... And it talking, me greatly when I hear that. Well, recently I was talking to someone about uh, doing miracles, and I said, you know, God's not doing miracles today. And they said, well, you're limiting God. I said, no, God chooses to limit himself. That's right. Uh, you know, he can do... God can do whatever he wants, but when he says he's not going to do it, then he keeps his word. He doesn't lie. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Thank Thanks a lot, George. All right. Thank you, George, for your call, and thank you for listening tonight. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. All right, Dad, last week on the program, we talked with Josh. Josh is an atheist. Josh denies the existence of God, and he set forth some of his reasoning around that. If you missed the program last week, we encourage you to go and listen to it in our archives. You can listen to any of our past programs from our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We encourage you to check that out if you missed it last week. We want to talk tonight, Dad, about why we believe there is a God. There are numerous evidences that we can point to that show us the fact that God does exist. We want to talk about that some on the program tonight, and we'd like your feedback and your input. Give us a call at 931-381-4567 or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. As we said earlier, Jacob, chances are the vast majority of those listening tonight are believers in God. That being the case, you ought to be able to give at least one good reason why you believe in God. Uh, you know, it should not be a blind leap of faith. It should not just be an unquestioned acceptance of something you were told by somebody in the past. You ought to be able to tell us and tell others why it is that you believe in God. I want to go, Jacob, I want us to talk about something that Josh said last week. Uh, several times in the program, he mentioned or alluded to the fact that you cannot prove that there is a God. Well, I think one of the problems we have is on this matter of proof. You know, a lot of times when we think of proving something, we think of proving it by way of using our senses, you know, touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight. If I can't see God, and if I can't produce him for others to look at, then someone would say, well, you can't prove him. Or if, if I can't audibly hear him, if I can't touch him with my hands, you know, in other words... To some people, they think that proof is only of the kind of thing that you can actually observe and maybe go into a laboratory and repeat a process and get the same result time and time again. Now, obviously, that's one kind of proof, but that's not the only kind of proof that we have. Uh, we, we believe many things that we cannot 
personally experience with our senses, but there is evidence to support that the fact is true. Uh, how many of us, you know, do, do you believe that George Washington, for instance, was the first president of the United States? Well, we do, obviously, but we didn't personally experience him. We can't see him, touch him, talk to him. Uh, but we can we can produce evidence that there was such a man and that he did the things that he's credited with having done. We don't have any pictures of George Washington. Right. Uh, we have paintings, but that's just uh, you know an so, artist imp- interpretation. We don't have any hard facts. We can't put any. We can't go and reproduce George Washington. But nobody denies that he exists. And that may not be the best example. But what, what I'm saying there, and what I think what you're saying, Jacob, is that we believe things based upon evidence that is not of the sort that you might call empirical evidence that which can be experienced with the senses and observed and repeated and and uh, so forth so you know i think we need to when we're talking about proving god i think we have to deal with the fact that what what we mean by proof and the fact that it is possible to prove things that we can't see. So why do you believe that there is a god? We need to hear from you. Let us know 9313814567 or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd like to hear from you on the program tonight to understand why you believe there is a God. There is a numerous amount of evidence, Dad. We've talked about the fact that uh, this may not be empirical evidence that we could reproduce in a laboratory, but the evidence is abundant to show the, the fact that God does exist. And so we want to talk about that with you on the program tonight. The first Evidence, Dad, that we see in the universe around us is this idea of cause and effect, and George mentioned it on the program last week uh, in our discussions with Josh, the fact that every effect demands a cause, and the fact that this universe exists demands a cause. It had to come from somewhere, and uh, that that's evidence for the existence of God. Yeah, Jacob, and we talked a little bit with Josh about this, but uh, we didn't get finished. Uh, obviously, we didn't get we didn't really get to follow through with it. But there, there's really only three choices when it comes to the existence of the of the physical universe. There's there's only uh, basically three choices. One is that the universe is eternal. That is that all of the matter in the universe has always existed, and uh, and yet. Uh, we know that that's not true. Uh, even scientists tell us it's not true. Dr. Robert Jastrow, in a book entitled Until the Sun Dies, says, As a result of the most recent discoveries, we say with a fair degree of confidence that our universe has not existed forever, that it began abruptly without apparent cause in a blinding event that defies scientific explanation. Now, in other words, here's a scientist who's saying what we see in the physical universe has not always been here. Josh explained it maybe as sort of a oscillating universe one that expands and then contracts and contracts itself back into a tiny nucleus and then there's another big bang and so josh and other atheists would argue that there have been an infinite number of repeated big bangs well that Uh, even makes the story a little bit more complicated than the first way around because not only has it happened once it's happened numerous times yeah, that, but I think Josh acknowledged that that is his understanding of it. But scientists say matter's not eternal. Uh, certainly matter didn't create itself. That'd be the second object. And so really, the third option, and the only other one that we have, is that the universe was created by something that 
is superior to it and outside of its controls, different in nature that existed before the universe existed and caused it. And of course, now we're not saying that that necessarily proves Jehovah God of the Bible, but we are saying that the in, the 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 conclusion, the reasonable conclusion based upon simple cause and effect reasoning is that something caused the universe to exist. In other words, basically, you're going to have to believe in either eternal matter or an eternal God. Now, I don't know why it is any more incredible to believe in an eternal God than it is to believe in eternal matter. The scientific evidence shows us that eternal matter is not a logical conclusion. And the only option we have then, Dad, is to believe that there is a God. That lines up with what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. We read in Hebrews 3, verse 4, For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. You, the, the Bible makes the same argument, Dad, that uh, things have to come from somewhere, and the, well, the universe came from God. You know, you drive down the road, and, and maybe it's been a while since you've been driving down that stretch of road, and you drive along there, and there's a house sitting there where there hadn't been one before. Well, what, what's your reasonable conclusion? You see the house sitting there. You don't assume that it built itself. You assume that someone built it. It's there. Obviously, someone must have put it there. That's, that's just common sense reasoning, and that's the way we look at things logically in the physical universe. If there's something there, something must have caused it to be there. And we're saying that about, we're saying that same kind of approach, uh, is reasonable concerning the entire universe. It's here. Therefore, someone must have caused it to be here. And that, of course, we believe that that, that great, uh, uncaused first cause is God himself. Now, again, that doesn't argue for the God of the Bible. We, we can do that in, in other ways that we'll talk about, but that argues that there is some force superior to the physical universe that caused it to be. And by looking at this universe that we live in, Dad, it leads us to believe that there must be a God, and that's what God said is the case in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, beginning, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If we look at the world around us, Dad, we can determine that there must be a God because of the wonderful universe that we live in, this demands that there would be someone who created it, and that is God. That's right. I think that's right, Jacob. Let's take a break, and when we get back, we want to hear from you. Why do you believe there is a God? Let us know at 931-381-4567 or email us questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. 
It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Again, we're glad that you've joined us, and we hope you'll stay tuned, and we hope you'll comment. Why do you believe there is a God? Let us know. Maybe you don't believe there is a God. Let us know your reasoning as well. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The line is open now. And the email is open for your email comments at questions at collegeview.com. Again, this is a listener interactive program in which we all benefit from your questions or comments. So we encourage you to join in on the discussion now. As we talk about God and the reasons why we believe God exists, Dad, we talked about the fact that a cause demands something to cause it. Cause effect demands a cause. We believe God is the cause of the universe. It answers the question of how the universe came to be. The atheist must believe, as Josh believes, that matter is eternal. That simply is not the case. Science does not bear that out. And so we must believe, then, that there is a God who created the universe that we live in. Jacob, not only does the universe exist, that would be one of our arguments, that there must be a cause of the universe, the very existence of the universe, but also, in conjunction with that, not only does the universe exist, but it, it, it contains evidence of Amazing design, incredible design is evidenced throughout God's creation. I mean, the universe is literally full of evidences of an amazing, intelligent designer. Now, uh, you know, we could talk, we could talk on the large scale, looking into the, all the stars and the galaxies and so forth and see, uh, all the amazing clockwork precision of those heavenly bodies we could talk about planet earth we could talk about how it is perfectly suited to the existence of life on earth that if things it were just very minutely different than they presently are life could not be sustained here on earth we could talk about the human body for instance and and you know uh, obviously people a lot more qualified than us to talk about the intricate workings of the human body but it, it, it clearly i think all of us even those of us who don't have medical backgrounds understand that the human body is an amazing organism and and uh, even the psalmist said in psalm 139 and verse 14 uh, uh, psalm 139 verse 14 says i will praise thee for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well you know, we know enough about the physical body, even as I said, if we're not trained in medical matters to know that it is an amazing, perfectly functioning organism. Uh, and, and the, and when you see all that design, you just argue somebody had to design it. And if you, when you see a car going down the road, you know that that is the product of a lot of Intelligent people who spent a lot of time figuring things out and making it work properly. They designed it and it functions. You don't assume that it happened by chance. You, under, you understand that somebody put their brain to that and designed it. Well, if, if you wouldn't believe that a car could make itself or design itself or create itself or function without designer, then why would you think something as complex as the human body or the physical universe could 
could be like it is without a designer. You know, why would uh, we believe that uh, something could happen by chance and have the design that we see in it? When have we ever seen that happen in the in the world today? When does that ever happen? You know, uh, Josh talked about his kids, and he has lots of kids. I wonder if they've ever gone in their room with all the toys up on the shelves and got down the toys and started playing with them carelessly. And was the room organized at the end of that play session with his kids in their bedroom? Absolutely not. Things become disorganized over time, yet the evolutionist and the atheist has to believe that we had order that came from disorder, that we had design that came without a designer, simply doesn't line up with what we know about uh, about science. In Psalm 19, beginning verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and is rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And just goes on to talk about God's creative work in the physical universe. You know, there's been a lot in the news in the last few years about the arguments concerning intelligent design. Uh, you know, so-called creation scientists have been arguing that intelligent design should be taught instead of, or at least in conjunction with, or as an alternative to evolution being taught in the schools. And of course, those who want to teach evolution and those who want to deny the existence of God have been very adamant not to allow the teaching of intelligent design. And I think one of the reasons why they're so opposed to it is that that's such a powerful argument. Intelligent design is a powerful argument for the existence of God. Look at things that are there. Look at the intricacy of all that works in the physical universe. Look at a simple uh, single-celled uh, organism. And even in a, in a single-cell uh, organism. Think about the intricacies of design that are manifested there. It's exactly right. It's screaming the fact that there is a God. It just is yelling that there must be a God to create it all. Yet the atheist must demand it all happened by chance and that there was no designer. Simply doesn't line up. We, we, we got a telephone call? We do. Let's go to the phone. Let's welcome George back. Hello, George. Yes, uh, sorry to uh, disturb you again. No, uh, not at all. I had to step away for a little bit and I wanted to I failed to mention uh, uh, we're talking about tonight, uh, why do we believe in God? And uh, you read the verse I had in mind from the first chapter of Romans, because it has been revealed and manifested to us. uh, uh, The invisible things of God have now been shown to us. Uh, All I have to do is look around me and see my wife, my children, or our grandchildren, I see the, the magnificence of God, and, and, and it has to have a creator, a designer. But uh, my background being in engineering physics before I retired uh, also told me many things in, the, in God's Word here that verifies things that man struggled with for many years. For example, uh, you know, in um, Job, it says he stretched out uh, in uh, the 26th chapter, the 7th verse. He stretched out the north over empty space, and he hangeth the earth by nothing. And uh, Isaiah uh, talked about uh, uh, the earth, I think, in the 40th chapter, 22nd verse. He says, it is he that sitteth above the, uh, the circle of the earth. Uh, 
You know, these things were all uh, revealed to us. Isaiah was not a scientist. Job wasn't a scientist. But something revealed to those men absolute facts of, of our creation. And it, it, uh, it, I've always been uh, very uh, interested in this. You can go back in the Old Testament in the uh, act of circumcision. Why did God tell them to circumcise a child upon the eighth day, a boy upon the eighth day? Because at that particular time, the flow of his blood is uh, and, uh, at the highest level of what we now today call vitamin K, which is a coagulant, and it, it would heal faster. And uh, there's so many things about the human body that's told us in the Bible. And uh, when you look at the magnificence of the human body itself, how in the world could anyone ever, you have to have more faith to be an evolutionist than to ever believe in God. Uh, the, 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 uh, the evolutionist uh, has nothing, something coming from nothing. And uh, it's an impossibility to have the complexity of the human body come from a simple amoeba developing one cell. Uh, I ask questions of people. Uh, if, if that's true, how did man become a conscious being? And it's, it's a very uh, uh, proverbial question that we sh we've got to answer. So I find uh, uh, the very evidence of God manifested to us. And I look to his word and I see things proclaimed that science never discovered for centuries. You know, you're, you're making evidence, you're showing evidences for the inspiration of the Bible there, George. But if there is no God, we have to explain where did the Bible come from right. and how did men write these things that people didn't understand at that time. You can't answer that question if there is no God. Right. Well, I, I believe, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, as I was saying, Jacob, I believe that we have more evidence through the revealing of what God has manifested to us that we can look at, and uh, it takes more. It takes more uh uh, faith that a uh, that an evolutionist has to have. Uh, for example, uh, he has to have time for everything, and, uh, and by having time, uh, uh, he thinks he can create something that will evolve. That's like saying a truck could dump a, a load of lumber out and here, and uh, eventually in time it evolves into a house. Now he might have to dump it a million times, but if he dumped it a million times, eventually something good would turn out. Isn't that, that's his reasoning process, George? But what I'm what I'm getting at, my belief in God is because of what He has so graciously manifested before our very eyes here, and that's what that's what Paul was revealing to us in that first chapter. I think you're right, George. We appreciate your input. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for calling. All right, the number is 931-381-4567. It's open now. Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. George makes some good points, Dad. We talk about the fact that the design demands a designer, yet the evolutionist and the atheist has to have this all happen by chance. simply doesn't work out. We've got an email from Tom here in Columbia, and Tom sent a longer uh, review of a book uh, uh, called A Skeptic's Search for God by Ralph Muncaster. Some of our listeners might be interested in tracking that down on the Internet. A Skeptic's Search for God by Ralph O. Muncaster. Uh, it's too long to read all of the review here, but uh, in it there's a paragraph here 
where this man Munster says that uh, he there's analytical evidence that life could not possibly have come about by random chance or naturalism. And since the only choices for the origin of life are random chance or creation, therefore God must exist, by definition, God a creator. And so, in other words, there is, there is, uh, there is analytical evidence when you look at the complexities of existing things here on planet Earth. It couldn't have possibly come about by chance, therefore the only option is it had to come about by a creator. And so again, that book that Tom has referenced is A Skeptic's Search for God by Ralph O. Muncaster, M-U-N-C-A-S-T-E-R. Some may be interested in tracking that down. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom, for that email. We're going down to Jennings, Florida, and welcoming Nick. Hello, Nick. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hello, Jacob. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. I wanted to add to what George was saying. Is as you look at the Scripture and you think about Genesis 1, uh, we view the writer of Genesis 1 as a saying, in the beginning, God. You notice there that uh, as the Bible is being written, there is no argumentation really about is there a God. It seems to be something that is just naturally accepted as those wrote earlier, as has been pointed out in the program, as we go on down through time and we see the Gentiles uh, just disregarding the evidences that have been put before them of God's revelation to them, both in the creation we see that men have come away looking at the creation, and as uh, George was clearly pointing out, showing us that it takes a lot more faith to believe in the things that and answers that men come up with out of their concepts and thinking that it does of the Scripture. Nick, this is Greg. I think that's a great point that you just made, and I think it really needs to be emphasized. The atheist is actually has faith in things that he can't prove. Uh, for instance, the idea of eternal matter, that's not provable. The scientific evidence goes against that. In other words, he, he's believing in something that even the scientific community can't confirm and has doubts about, but, but Josh said he believed in eternal matter last week, and so he has faith in things that he cannot see or demonstrate. And uh, he, he says that's why he doesn't believe in God, but it's what causes him to have his faith in, in, uh, in, evolution and in eternal matter that's correct as i think about hebrews 11 and verse 6 we see the scripture really explains what it takes to have faith in whatever whatever we have faith in because faith is going to be the ground or the substance or the undergirding of whatever we believe in and it requires us that uh for us to believe in god and we must believe that he is now he gives us the evidences of the creation around us as I think George was amply pointing out. But really, without revelation from God, we would not know where they came from. And that's, of course, the reason men are so confused about it, is they're unwilling to accept um, the most logical answer that is there, is that there is a superior being that has created this, a designer. <laughs> I've built houses through the year, and I like your illustration about I've had a lot of lumber dumped out on job sites, but I've never seen it just appear into a house. You'd be a, would, you would yeah. never convince me, of course, that a house is going to appear no matter how many times you uh, you would dump it. Exactly. <laughs> You've got to have somebody to design it. You've got to have uh, people that uh, can put it together. And, of course, um, people can't put that together without God providing this, the material uh, 
the things of the material universe around us for us to put it together. And yet his explanation in the scripture tells us where all of that came from. And as has been pointed out, it does take a lot more faith to believe in things that are uh, really no evidence is given. Argumentation is given, but no evidence. I think you're exactly right, Nick, and we really appreciate your thoughts. It's, it's right on right on target, I think. Thanks again. Thank you for Thanks, listening Nick. tonight. Thank you for your call. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. The line's open now. We encourage you to get in on the phone. Send us an email. We're going to take one last break, and we'll continue the discussion right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you again for joining us. The virtual Bible study is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. We meet at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. To find out more information about the College View Church of Christ, visit our website, collegeview.com. If you have any questions, we encourage you to contact us. We'd like to meet you. We'd like for you to come and worship with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience if you're in this area. We're talking about God and the fact that he does exist, the evidence that shows that God does exist. We'd like to hear from you on the program tonight, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Why do you believe there is a God? Let us know why you have faith in God tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Jacob, we've got some emails coming in, and we want to get to those before we run out of time. Al in Grinnell, Iowa, has written in and and he refers to Josh, the atheist, who was on our program last week, and he asked several simple questions. Has he ever seen his brain? Has he ever smelled his brain? Has he ever tasted his brain? Has he ever touched his brain? Has he ever heard his brain? The same, except, the same evidence that he accepts to va- validate the existence of his brain is the same line of reasoning that proves the existence of God. He says, I held my new granddaughter this week, and I continue to be in awe of God's wonders of creation. And I think that last expression especially, you know, when we see a, a, a child born, a, a new life, it does uh, certainly put us in awe of God's wonderful creation. Uh, I think he, I think I was being a little facetious here about a person's brain obviously we didn't we haven't seen our own brain but that's a line of reasoning we believe that that i think he's trying to emphasize here jacob is there's a lot of things that we believe in that we don't see and don't experience with our senses but we believe that they exist and so i I, I, we appreciate al's comments thank you for listening al you know he talks about life there that's another evidence for the existence of god People say that people that are atheists and evolutionists want to say that uh, life came from non-life, that uh, there was a spark in some type of uh, 
organic cesspool, and life was created as a result of that uh, spontaneous action. We don't have any evidence of that. We can't prove that. We have tried. People have tried for years, Dad, to create life from non-life in a scientific environment where all of the variables are exactly right and tried different combinations and permutations to create life from non-life, and it can't be done. Yet we're to believe that it happened by chance, that all the conditions were just right, and it happened by chance, and that life was formed. And not only was that life formed, that life was able to survive long enough to reproduce, and that reproduced cell was able to live long enough to reproduce again, and that all throughout time that life was able to survive and to mutate and to evolve. It just is an amazing theory, and the theory that simply is not true. We got an email from Mike in, here in Columbia, and he says, The human body is very complex, and the organs that make up the human body are likewise com- complex. For example, the eye is made up of the iris, cornea, lens, optic nerve, retina, protective coating, blood vessels, and other parts. The eye is often compared to a camera. We would not begin to try and convince someone that a camera came into being by evolution or by chance, yet people believe that the human eye came into being by evolution. Uh, excellent point, Mike. No one would believe that a, that a you see a camera, you see a very expensive camera, and you marvel at whoever designed it and made it work the way it works. But really, a camera is only a very feeble imitation of the human eye. And yet, we, we wouldn't believe the camera could come about by chance, but we want to believe that that which it imitates, the human eye came about by chance. It's just too too hard to believe. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate that. Jill here in Columbia has written in, evolutionists want to know how we can say that we have faith in something we have never seen, yet their teachings have to be accepted on faith only. No one saw the Big Bang or the sludge crawl out of the ocean, uh, which, of course, she's referring to that, which became life, supposedly, according to evolution. She says, scientists are constantly contradicting themselves in this area. There's nowhere on Earth that their geologic column exists. They've had to admit numerous times that they've lied about finding missing links. A real scientist would never believe that anything else was created simply by banging two things together. The real beauty, though, is when you connect to the Internet and some scientist has deemed to verify something that is in the Bible. Uh, she goes on to observe about Josh. She said, he didn't come across to me as someone really convinced that there's no God. He just came across as a man who wants to do what he wants to do and hopes there is no God. Uh, well, uh, that's her, her take on Josh. I, uh, Josh uh, is not convinced there's a God, but I I'm, I think the evidence, I think the conclusion we want to draw here is that the evidence is much stronger for the existence of God than to deny the existence of such a being. And that's what we hope Josh and all others uh, who, who don't believe would come to understand. Thank, thank you for Jill your email, for... Jill, and thank you for listening tonight. You know, we talked about the fact that uh, a design demands a designer, and Josh mentioned last week that they're working on a particle accelerator over in Europe, Dad, uh, to try and find out where the universe came from. Again, uh, going back to the idea that if you smash some stuff together, you'd get something that was organized and designed out of it. That's an interesting idea, but it simply doesn't line up with what we know about uh, about nature, that there is order here and it had to come from somewhere. It makes much more sense to believe that it came from an intelligent designer. You know, Jacob, real quick, before the program's over, and we're just about out of time, but we, we should comment 
that you know we've talked about cause and effect. We've talked we've talked about uh, the design that demands a designer. We might talk about the nature of man. You know, the the ability of man to reason, to think, to comprehend, to uh, to invent, uh, to appreciate beauty, uh, and so forth. Where did these things come from? We talked some with Josh last week about you know. Uh, some of the things that are evidenced in the humankind that are not true in the animal world, uh, where, where do these things come from? And, and what value do they serve to in, in a purely evolutionary world? What value does it, does it provide for the furtherance of the species, for the continued existence of our kind in order for, in other words, for us to appreciate music or art or uh, so, something of that nature, you know, evolution would have a hard, in my opinion, impossible time explaining how those things exist. Because what you're saying about evolution is the theory says that you evolve because you have adapted better to your environment. Appreciation for art or for music has no a benefit to something so why would that evolve why would that characteristic evolve the same would be true of a moral code or a moral standard why does it do me any good to believe that i should not do something bad to someone else if it advantages me if i'm bigger and stronger then evolution would suggest it would be to my advantage to take from those who are weaker and less capable and therefore the 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 species would be improved by the survival of the fittest and we should kill and take from those who are weaker and less able but we have a an instinctive sense of what's right and wrong all men do even men who don't practice religion have an instinctive sense of what is right and wrong where did that come from how does evolution explain the existence of this sort of instinctive sense of right and wrong it must have come from god it could not have come from anywhere else. Sort of in summary, Jacob, uh, let me put it this way. If you're going to be an atheist, and we'd say this to Josh, hope Josh is listening tonight, and to others who might think to be an atheist, then here's the consequences of saying that you're an atheist. You have to accept without the ability to prove that God does not exist. To prove God's non-existence, you'd have to be everywhere and know everything. So, you know, you'd have, you have to prove without the ability to you have to accept, rather, without the ability to prove that God does not exist. You have to believe in eternal matter. And as we've already said, scientific evidence goes against that. You'd have to accept the idea of spontaneous generation of life from non-living matter. And yet science tells us that could not happen. You'd have to uh, claim that the design and order in the universe is the product of pure chance You'd have to believe that consciousness, including man's reasoning ability, his power of speech, his love of beauty, and so forth, all sprang forth from non-conscious matter. And you'd have to really finally accept the conclusion that man is only a higher animal, just so much organized matter. Uh, And, of course, if that's true, then how can we sustain moral values? Uh, There's really nothing right or wrong if that's the case. Uh, that's those are some pretty tough consequences of taking the atheist position on the other hand if you believe in god you have a ready explanation for the existence of the universe you have knowledge of how such amazing design is to be found in nature you have information to show why man is superior to and above all other things in god's creation and you have a basis 
for morality, for what is right and wrong. And you have an answer to the most important questions that men have ever sought to answer. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? Really, the the view of belief and faith in God is far more defensible and has a, a, a much greater uh, logical standing than atheism does. Certainly does. Dad, we believe that there is a God because the evidence is screaming the fact that there is a God. It is screaming to us the world that we live in demands that there must be a God. And so we believe in a God, Dad, because there is a God, and we encourage others to accept that fact because, Dad, as you mentioned, it answers the questions of life that are important to us. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? What is my purpose here in this life? Without that, Dad, without an understanding of that, we cannot live a fulfilled life and a complete life without understanding our Creator. Without belief in God, life doesn't have any real legitimate meaning. Exactly right. Well, thank you for the discussion tonight, Dad. Enjoyed uh, the discussion with our listeners. And yeah, we're, uh, we're glad that uh, you joined us for the virtual Bible study tonight. We hope you'll continue to listen, tell others about it. We'd like to build our audience and get more people involved in our weekly Thursday night study. Uh, earlier in the program, Ben from Iowa suggested some thoughts about the nature of God. And uh, although we weren't prepared to discuss that thoroughly, uh, he presented some things and, and has suggested he'll be emailing us some of his thoughts. And uh, Jacob, I think we need to, in the future, plan a, a Thursday night session on the nature of God. We'll try to plan to do that. All right, let's do it. Well, thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our discussion and our study of God's Word. We encourage you to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime... Read your Bible every day and study God's Word. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.